What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. Hey, everyone. What you didn't just see behind the scenes was me and Kylie making like faces at each other to try to see who wanted to start talking. Normally we'll like plan out like who's going to like say the first thing, but we did but, it this time. So yeah. it was a nice It's also showdown. been, a, it, you guys won't know this, but it's been a minute since we recorded and yeah. I'm in a brand new environment, which I'll get a little more into. So I like, I feel like a fish out of water right now. I'm like what's going yeah. on? I don't know the last time we recorded. Was it like I three weeks either. ago? Two I weeks think ago? two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are. Here we are. And this week we are coming at you with a very like useful episode, dare oh, I yeah. say? Informational <laughs> value Some add. Say. Oh, a value add. Love that. Yeah. Today we are talking about the job search, the job hunt, how to get that job offer, how to negotiate your job offer, and everything in between. I feel like very selfishly, I was like, this is something that I've just learned a lot about in my life. And so I feel like I learned some tips and tricks along the way. And I mean, you didn't go through it that long ago, Anya. So Mm -hmm. I feel like there's some wisdom to be bestowed. It's a very overwhelming process. And so if we can help in any sort of way, you know, alleviate the stress of it, then we want to be able to do that. Yes. So I think we're going to talk to you kind of like the things that you should have ready when you go to look for a job, you know, ways to keep track of all the jobs you've applied for, where to look for jobs to apply for, um, interviewing tips, negotiation tips. So we're really just going to give you all the good info today. But I think that's a good point is to anchor it in like Kylie just went through this whole job search process Mm -hmm. like a month ago. I haven't done it so recently, probably like a year and a half ago, but I have been on the recruiting side of it a lot more. Yeah. So I interview people like all the time, (laughs) at least right now, because we're kind of in growth mode. So I can kind of speak to it from like that side of things a little more. So yeah, should be fun. Yeah, I'm very excited. But before we do that, let's get into our segment, starting with the week in review. So this week I have a job-related week in review, and it is that I got a promotion. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so it's funny because I actually – I remember I mentioned it a couple episodes back that I was like taking on a lot more responsibility because we've had some team changes happening. And I mentioned like I'm going to use this time to like collect how much more I take on like use the month to kind of organize myself. And then I was planning to ask for a promotion. But before I could do any of that, my manager brought it up to me, which was really nice um, just to feel, you know, recognized and seen and everything for all the work I've been doing this past year. Um, And it was kind of one of those things where like I am getting a pretty significant pay raise, but I don't really feel like I'm taking that much more on because I was already doing a lot of it in a weird way. Like I feel like normally promotion, it's like, cool because you're making more money, but you also have to do a lot more. And I mean, maybe famous last words, but at least right now, I don't really feel like I'm taking on all that much more. I feel like I was already doing a lot of what this next level was doing in my previous role. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that in a 
readily understandable fashion. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, you, so. you are essentially acting in this like promoted role already because of the circumstances of your job. Yeah. So they were like, we'll give you like the official title and salary increase as well. Yes, that's a, yes, that's a good way to put it. So now my title is senior program manager, which is literally what? insane. So I feel like people probably get on calls with me expecting me to be like at least 30 <laughs> and I'm not. So we'll deal with that imposter syndrome at a later date. But yeah, it's been fun. I, I did, I, like I said, it's just good to feel recognized because I, yeah. Really do feel like I work my little butt off at this job sometimes. So good to see the, you know, upward trajectory that is possible in the workforce and whatnot. And sure. nice to make a little more money too. So overall, sure. good things. Yeah. I'm I'm proud of you, Bestie. And I think especially because I know you have been working your little butt off. So it, it's nice as your friend to see like, okay, cool. Like her work is also recognizing how hard she's been working. Um because that's important. It's okay. It's like working hard is fine as long as you're being recognized for working hard, you know? True. Facts. So very proud of you. But for my week in review, if you're watching the reel, you'll know that this does not look like my New Hampshire bedroom. That's because it's freaking not. I'm in Boston, baby. Finally. I know. Finally. I've actually been here over a week, technically, it's been a bit of a hectic week. Um, I'm currently, if you're seeing the reel, I'm sitting on my bed right now because my bedroom is a big work in progress. My desk is currently in sort of our like living room kitchen area. And I didn't want to, you know, restrict my roommate to staying in her room while I recorded this. So I'm just in here. Eventually my desk is coming in here. But while this space, like while I'm still getting everything organized, while I'm still sort of decorating it and making it feel a little bit more homey, I'm keeping it out there because uh, I am going to be working from home three days a week probably and I don't want to have to spend three days, three full days and right now five full days a week in a room that just doesn't feel super like nice when I just want to focus on work. So that's a work in progress. Um, if you'll notice, I have these lovely curtains behind me. Again, she if hates you're the curtains. The reel, I hate the <laughs> curtains. So, in typical Boston fashion, behind this is just like a brick wall. Yeah, like, like it's a, a window that faces another building, basically. Yeah, with like very little natural light, um, and it's just really ugly and really like depressing. Um, so I put up these curtains to kind of like make it look homier. I picked gray, like a darker gray, because it does technically go with like the bedding that I picked out. I picked out like a cream colored bedding with like gray accent pillows, but I'm just thinking they're way too dark for the space. They make me sad. Um, they don't make me glad and that's how you know they need to go. <laughs> um, well, cause it just makes it so that like a significant, like a pretty significant portion of the room is that like dark gray. So I was saying you need to get some like- yeah lighter ones like sheer light yeah sheer light even if you have like a white with a sheer one on top I just think sheer curtains are really really pretty Mm -hmm. and it'll help like make the space brighter yeah yeah but yeah but I have a lot of plans for the place Um, I'm gonna kind of like upcycle a bedside table that my roommate gave me I'm thinking Maybe a peel and stick wallpaper accent wall if mm. I'm feeling really crazy. The gallery wall over here. But bear with me. These next couple of weeks, my background is probably going to be constantly changing. 
um, or slightly ugly because right now I really only have my bed set up, which was a feat in and of itself, people. I feel like this is a story for another day. I won't bore you all with this, but let's just <laughs> say that I was supposed to have a bed last Tuesday. We are recording this on a Monday. Last Tuesday, almost a week ago, I was supposed to have a bed and I didn't get a bed until Friday. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was no fun. No bueno. Um, but we have a bed now. We're sitting in it. We're comfy. We're cozy. And the place is starting to come together. And I really like my apartment. Our like kitchen and living room have exposed brick, which I think is really cute. I think it makes the space look really nice. And we have a patio, like a pretty good size patio. And yeah, I just, I'm really loving the space. And it's starting to like go from very overwhelming and like the slow downward slope of like, okay, yep, this is, this is good. We're good here. (laughs) What was I going to say? Yeah, the patio is really big. Me and Grant went to visit on Friday. We went out to dinner. Me and Grant went out to dinner like nearby. We came to visit the place and we were saying how like the outdoor square footage is probably essentially the same as like the indoor square footage. Yeah. Like it's like a lot of space. It like doubles the place. So that's really nice to have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, we're really happy. Uh, my roommate's cat just came yesterday. <gasps> She's oh my here. God. Um, she had had her at her parents' house because I guess with cats, she got she like talked to um her cat's vet and everything about how to introduce her to a new environment. And her biggest tip was to like wait until the place was a bit more settled, a little less chaotic, to bring her in and then have her like stay in her bedroom for a yeah. little bit until she gets used to that environment and then we'll show her yeah you the like slowly kitchen living room yeah. yeah slowly introduce her so she's only seen Layton's bedroom uh she loves her loft bed I don't know she oh she got Layton's up there she did her roommate <laughs> yeah Layton's my roommate I don't know if she wants her name on this podcast but it's too late <laughs> here it is well she had a sticker so I feel like she's an advocate <laughs> true yes um, Layton's my roommate she has a loft bed. Yeah, and when I was looking at it, so. I was like, how is the cat going to get up there? I was pretty worried about it, but Blueberry went off. She's up what can there. I say? She's having trouble getting down. Um, oh. I think she knows how to get down. I think she doesn't want to get down. I think she's being a little dramatic and she wants help getting down so she gets attention. Mm. But uh, at least that's what Leighton says she's doing. Um, she does know her cat better than me. But yeah, so we have a fun little feline friend. And I'm so jealous. It's so fun. I really want one. I really want to get a cat like in the next few months. We just have to get explicit permission from our landlord. And I know Mm -hmm. that dogs are a hard no, so I'm not sure how she would feel about cats. Mm -hmm. But TBD. Anyway, welcome to Boston. Ah, Cheers. (laughs) Um, Let's move into our favorites. So I have two quick favorites for this week. The first one is a pillow from Ikea. So I went to Ikea recently and I remember I actually saw this pillow the first time we went to Ikea like months ago to get the original run of apartment stuff. And in the moment we were trying to be very intentional about like what we were buying because it was, we were looking for like really big furniture pieces. We were like, okay, let's not get caught up in like all the extra stuff. Like let's just focus on the furniture right now. But I remember really liking it when I saw it then. And then I saw it again and I was like, okay, I have to get it. Like I've been thinking about it for like four months. And um, it's called the Rod. Here, let me find it. Rod. Rodarv. 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 IKEA. Oh, okay. So I'm realizing the Rodarv is a pattern at mm. IKEA, so you can get like curtains in the Rodarv. But I'm talking about the cushion. 
So it's like one of those cushions that's like wider than it is tall, like like a little rectangle shape. Oh, yeah. And um, I literally am obsessed with it because it's embroidered like boho, folky looking, like colorful animals and plants and stuff. And so it's like very much my vibe. Um, I'm like, we'll link it down below. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I just think it's it so cute. Um, yeah, it's like a little more expensive than I would want to pay for like a single pillow and one of the more expensive ones at Ikea, but it's because mm-hmm. it is feather filled. It's not. Um, oh. Yeah. So it's like a good quality pillow. Like I think it'll last a long time. And sure. you can – the thing with Ikea is that you buy like one pillow, but then you can buy different pillow covers. So like if I wanted to switch it up, I could get a different pillow cover for this same pillow. But yeah, I think it's so cute. So if you're looking for like a – I don't even know. Would you call it boho? Like eclectic – I would say like eclectic is yeah. probably more in line. I think it's so cute. So that's in our room now. And then my other favorite for this week is Google Voice. So I don't know if anyone else has this struggle, but my job is, I mean, we're a very small team. So like 90% of the communication that happens at my job is like external. So it's people from outside the company contacting me. Mm-hmm. And um, for a while, well, for the last like year and a half-ish, I was using just my regular phone number and it was fine for the most part. But then recently there's been just like a uptick in people c- trying to contact me that way as opposed to email. And I just don't really like – I'm like this in general. Like I really don't like to mix my work stuff with my personal stuff. Mm-hmm. I try to like keep those as separate as possible in like every – platform and like organization system that I have and mm-hmm. so it was kind of bothering me that I was getting like work texts mixed with like friend texts like I just felt like it was like a mistake waiting to happen and I don't know I just don't really like that mm-hmm. um they could like contact me on the weekends and I didn't have a way to like screen it out necessarily so I got Google Voice which is just like a service by Google and if you have a Gmail it like comes with it and you basically just opt in you have to have like an existing phone number like they can't I don't really know how it works, but like you have to already have a phone number to use the service. They make you put in your existing phone number. And then Mm -hmm. I think that they somehow just kind of tie your number to a different one. And so um, like I have a New Hampshire phone number because that's where we're from. But now I have a 617 number, which is like the Boston area code. So it just Mm -hmm. finds like a local phone number for you and then like ties it in with your existing one. So that when people call that new phone number, your phone just rings like as it would with a regular phone call. But all of the messages, like if people text you and all the voicemails and stuff like that end up in the Google Voice app. And then it'll send you an email of like the transcription and stuff. Um, And so I just really like it, number one, because it like keeps work and life separate. And number two, it's just like a really good platform. And I don't have like old men calling me on my real phone. So that's great. (laughs) (laughs) So I highly recommend if you have like – because my work just like we don't have work phones. So if you're in like the same situation, like you – have a lot of people contacting you via phone, but you don't have a work phone number, I would recommend. I kind of like wish I did it sooner. So check it out. Nice. Yeah, I don't, I would do this, but I don't really take a lot of calls, honestly, for my job. So I'm like, I don't feel like it's useful, yeah, but I feel like, like for you, yeah. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I feel like if you're doing a lot of external communication, um, that makes a lot of sp- a sense, especially when we're still working remotely and you may not have access mm-hmm. to your work phone. So love that. So for my favorites this week, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I just became a little bookworm again, uh, which is good because I had really fallen off the bandwagon between being an English major in undergrad and then going to law school that's, you know, incredibly reading intensive. I just never wanted to read for pleasure. Like when you spend so much time reading, you're like, the last thing I want to do in my free time is read some more. 
And I really missed it because in high school, I was a huge bookworm. I loved to read. Like, it was one of my favorite, like, pastimes. Um, if I had, like, a day off or things like that on the weekend, I would just read so many books. Um, and I was kind of sad as I got older that, like, I sort of fell out of that habit. Now that I'm not in school and working full time, I'm like, okay, I'm not reading during my day. So I want to read for pleasure and like have a say in what I'm reading in my free time more. So I've personally been hooked on Colleen Hoover. I It's my understanding that she's a pretty like cult favorite mm-hmm. author within at least like the book talk community, yeah. which I think has become like, I remember I watched, um, it was called BookTube, which were like all the book YouTubers back in high school. I think they've all transitioned over to TikTok, which I'm not mad about. Um, But she's a fan favorite. So I actually read her book, Verity. It's unbelievable. It's not anything like all of her other books, as far as I know. I've only read two of her other books. One of them I read a really long time ago, so I don't even really remember it. Um, But this one is like a thriller mystery mixed in with a little bit of romance as a warning. Um, It's a pretty hard read in the sense of it talks about some pretty gnarly stuff, some not so fun things happen in it that are can definitely be tough to read. Um, so there's that warning. Um, but it was so good. It was one of those books that like, I would read a chapter and I would tell myself like, okay, I'll take a break and like do this or do that after I finish this chapter. And then I would get to the end of the chapter and I was like, okay, I just need to figure out what happens. Like I'll just read <laughs> next the next chapter. one <laughs> yeah. and I'll stop after that one. And then be- I finished it in like four days and it's like a 300 page book so I feel like that's like a pretty for someone who wasn't reading at all I feel like that's a pretty fast read and then once I finished that also if you end up reading Verity message me to talk about the ending with me and that's all I'll say but (laughs) do it because you'll if you read this book you'll have some things to say um and then I read her book November 9 I literally finished it this morning and again, it was more in line. She, Colleen Hoover is known for romance lo- novels, and I'm a sucker for a good romance novel. Who doesn't love a good romance novel? Um, and this one, as far as I know, is more in line with like all of her other books, genre-wise. And again, she just is really good at creating like a page turner. Because I was really afraid I wasn't going to get as sucked into this because it wasn't like a thriller mystery type of story. And I feel like it's really easy to get sucked into more like mysterious stories because you want to figure out what the heck's going to happen. And I was really afraid that going to a romance novels, I wasn't going to find it as like captivating. And I just flew through. I literally brought this book with me to Boston and hadn't read it. And I'm already done Mm -hmm. with it. And that's on top of like moving and unpacking and having like an entire bed fiasco where I ended up back in New Hampshire. (laughs) And I still somehow managed to finish this book within a week. So highly, highly recommend. I'm definitely looking. I have a bunch of books that I want to read that I brought with me, um, but I am looking into her other books. So if you've read some Colleen Hoover, I've read her book Slammed um, back in high school. I might reread it now that I have like a more mature appreciation for her writing to see if I like it as much as I did in high school. But yeah, if you have any other recommendations for Colleen Hoover novels or authors that are like her that have a similar writing style to her. Let me know. I'm really, I'm holding on to this like bookworm thing. I like it. It's so fun. Yeah, you have to get um, a BPL membership, the Boston Public Library. It's such a good system. I actually just, um, I'm going to go there after this to return some books, but I just put a hold on, um, it's called On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's by um, Ocean Vuong. And it's about, it's like a 
I don't know what it, the term is called, but it's like hybrid poetry and novel. So it's oh. like a letter. It's written as like a letter from a Vietnamese American son to his illiterate mother. And I feel like it's going to get me in my feels as like oh, yeah. first gen American. So I'll let you know. But nice. yeah, you should definitely get a membership because I think like I think where you are, there would probably be even more books available than like my branch office. You know what I mean? Like I feel like you might have a better branch office to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think so not too. office. I don't know what the word would be. I think <laughs> location. <branch>. Location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely need to look into it and save that money mm-hmm. <laughs> in that space. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you have to wait for a book. Like that's what I'm realizing a lot is like you can favorite them and put holds on them and then you'll get them in like a month, but it's still fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Let's move into our main episode topic, the job search. Yes. So we've kind of, we broke this down into job search and then negotiation. Cause obviously I think that's like the two phases of mm-hmm. this sort of general thing. Um, So to start looking at the job search, if you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diasty in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. We want to talk about the things that you need to prepare, what you need to have before you even start applying for jobs, really. And the first one is your resume. I feel like this kind of goes without saying. If you're in college, especially, you probably understand the importance of a resume. They've probably been shoving it down your throat, your career <laughs> counselor or your career office or whatever they call it at your school. Um, so you do need to have a resume. It's very important. But I think what's important to remember with your resume, they can feel really daunting. Um, but you don't need to start from scratch or make anything super fancy. Um, you can use a template. I always like to Google like resume template Yale or resume template Harvard because you know those prestigious schools are usually using templates that are pretty um, universally successful or, you know, that are organized well. Um, And use that as the starting point for your resume and just kind of plug and chug your own information in as you go. So that way, at least the format is sort of out of sight, out of mind. 
Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to say that I feel like some industries allow you to be like a little more playful than others. Like it's definitely encouraged in some industries and like less so in other ones. So I think you kind of know for yourself, depending what industry you're in. Um, But for example, I have some friends that are in like graphic design and like social media. And for them, like part of their like application is the appearance of their resume and kind of making it stand out with like cool fonts or like a photo Mm -hmm. of them or something like that. But in most industries, like I'm thinking of like finance or something like that, like I don't think that would necessarily fly. That would kind of make you stick out in like a bad way. So I think Mm -hmm. you kind of just need to know that for like the industry that you're looking into applying into. Um, And I know that it's kind of a best practice regardless when you're early on in your career to try to keep your resume to one page. I don't know if you've also heard that, but I think that's a thing. So just note that. Um, So I think for – yeah, for my resume – I have like a little bit of a mix. Like it's not Times New Roman or Arial. I think the font was called like Olympia or something. So it's still like a basic font, but it's like a little different. And then my headings are blue instead of black, but overall it's like pretty safe. So I kind of like that approach because I feel like it stands out a little bit, but it's not like, oh my God, this lady's like going crazy on her resume, like Canva <laughs> style. Um, but yeah, I think it's also a good tip to like work with your friends on your resume. Like always have someone just proofread. Say. Yeah, I'll hand it over I was to you. <laughs> just going to say um, that my resume looks a lot like Anya's resume because she helped me out tremendously <laughs> when I decided to start applying for jobs. So much so I even stole her like blue headings, black text because I thought that would be, you know, like you said, it kind of it makes it a little more fun, makes it stand out more, but it still looks very professional and put together. Um, and just having kind of her eyes on the resume as well really helped because um, she definitely pointed out things that I didn't necessarily see or wouldn't have thought to edit or change and revise. And you also, can I disclose your key skills? Secret? Oh, that's, I was actually going to say that. Yeah, you go for it. Okay. You feel free to add on when needed. But Anya is a genius and she <laughs> has on her resume, it's called the key skills section. So she would have, you know, say – her internship listed. It would be internship A, May 2019 to July 2019. And then she would put in her title and all the things that she did. And then at the very bottom, she wrote key skills and then put a colon and listed what, three or four key skills. Yeah. So say like, it was like CRM software, uh, teamwork, social yeah. media marketing. I'm just listing random things. Yeah. But sort of like the, the top four things of like, here are like the big ticket items that I took away from this internship that are making me, you know, marketable and what's capable of applying to this job. And I thought it was such a genius thing to put on your resume. So I totally stole it. I put key (laughs) skills on my resume as well. And you know what? I did get a compliment on it um, during an interview. Yay. They were like, the key skills section was really useful. I think that's a really nice way to organize your resume. I was like, oh my God, it wasn't my idea. (laughs) It's just a good way to, number one, like emphasize the things that you want to emphasize about whatever that role was. Mm-hmm. And number two, you can kind of sneak in like keywords that you maybe you couldn't fit in the bullet points too. Yeah. Um, and I can't take full credit. I think I got it from my old manager, Miles. I think it was like his suggestion, okay. but I literally tell everyone to do it because it's such a good idea. And I, yeah, yeah I just well, I love it a lot. Especially with keywords, if a lot of jobs now will run your resume through like a bot of some sort and if you don't get flagged for certain keywords you just automatically get put into a no pile in the like universe um so like you said it's a good way to fit those keywords in um 
once you have an understanding of what sort of keywords you think would be useful um, and that could get you past some sort of bot. I mean, there's only so much you can do in those circumstances, but as yeah, try to smash as many in there as you can. And I think um, you kind of like a good way to approach it is if if a recruiter was going to look at my resume for like 30 seconds, what would be like the most high level things I would want them to take away from each thing I listed and then kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. But I will say I'm glad you brought up the bot thing because I think if you're applying to like a really competitive job, like if you're applying to like Facebook or like Google or something like that, you might want to have your resume be more basic because I think sometimes bots will just screen you out if they can't like figure out your resume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something if you have like one of those highly designed ones, it might just be like can't read, like no. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I think you you probably can tell if it's going to be a bot versus a person. Like if you're emailing it to like an apply email or something like that, then it's probably a yeah. person. And then if it's like more of a software, it might be a bot. But just a little warning. Yes. So then moving into the notorious cover letter. Now I know this is very like industry variable, but for me, and I think for Kylie too, like I I think always, always writing a cover letter is a great idea. But I know like, for example, my boyfriend, he's a mechanical engineer. Like he never really wrote a cover letter. Like it just isn't really so much a thing in his line of work. Mm -hmm. So again, like you probably know more for your industry than we do, but I think you can never go wrong. Like it'll never hurt you to write a cover letter. Um, And I know that we personally sometimes will use that as like a screening tool. If someone doesn't write a cover letter, you can kind of use that to like screen out the first wave of people you want to interview because clearly they weren't that invested in the role or like they didn't read the directions that closely, which is a red flag. Um, so yeah, I would just say always write one and that might sound like a lot of work, but we're going to get a little bit into how to make that easier and more achievable. Yeah, for sure. I know I ran into a lot of the time and I'm going to talk about this a little later as well. I use LinkedIn primarily for job applications and LinkedIn has their easy apply feature where you don't even have to leave the LinkedIn website. You can just apply through LinkedIn essentially. And a lot of those companies don't put like a place for you to upload any sort of cover letter. So I would always... Um, in a PDF file, have my cover letter and my resume just in one file and attach it that way. And again, as long as your cover letter and your resume are only one page, like I doubt any recruiter or hiring manager is going to just toss you to the side because they had to scroll down to find your resume when they weren't that interested in your cover letter. Like truly the worst thing that's going to happen is they're just not going to read it, but they'll at least know in the back of their mind, like, oh, she was interested enough to take this time. So that's, that can only work in your favor, I think Mm -hmm. is our opinion. Um, but to make it a little easier on yourself, because again, writing cover letters can seem like a lot of work, make a template. And this is a hundred percent more advice that I took from Anya. Anya was like my career coach <laughs> throughout this whole summer. <laughs> um, but you know, you have to be more careful with the cover letter. Your resume is pretty universal. You probably didn't have to touch anything on your resume once you had it in a good place when you start applying for jobs, because your it your experience is your experience, your resume is your resume. Like it doesn't really have to change. With your cover letter, though, you do want to personalize it to the company that you're applying to. But I don't think that means that you need to write a whole new cover letter for every job. So I've always done, and I did this for internships as well back in undergrad and then applying this past summer, is your body paragraphs of the cover letter are going to stay the same because most of the time it's based off of your resume items. You're just kind of elaborating on your experience. 
So you won't really need to touch those at all. I mean, definitely give them a skim with each job that you're applying to. And if you think there's an extra detail that you can add in that would especially help you with that specific application, by all means. But for the most part, you're not going to have to touch them. It's your intro and your conclusion paragraph that you're going to want to make sure to personalize, add the company name, position name, um, highlight key skills that are really critical to that particular position, highlight key details or items on the job description that really drew you to apply to that specific job listing. Um, And you can do, I mean, Anya, you had like a sort of template where you were like, um, I'm so excited to be applying for X position at X company. (laughs) I think my skills in X, Y, Z would be a great candidate for this role. Like you can literally do that and have a temp, like save a Mm -hmm. Word document that's like template and have those little X, Y, Z, and then you just fill them in as you go. And it makes it having to write 20, 30, 100 cover letters just a lot less daunting. Um, I know for me, too, I kind of did have a weird experience with applying. And I don't know if, Anya, you can, like, elaborate more on your own experience since you didn't have this type of experience. But I I'm a little weird in the sense of like, I have a communications degree, so I can kind of apply to a a wide range of jobs and I have marketing experience. So marketing and operations experience. So I was applying for like straightforward marketing, straightforward operations, journalism jobs, some social media jobs. So I did find that I probably ended up having four cover letter templates, one that really focused on my marketing experience, one that really focused on my operations experience, one that really focused on my journalism. I said that weird. One that focused (laughs) on my journalism experience and one that focused on more like marketing, but made sure to talk about social media. And I talked about the podcast in that one too. Yeah. Um, So I don't think most people are going to be in my shoes. I mean, if you're a communications major, you're probably going to be in my shoes. So just so you know, but I kind of Once I had applied to a job in all four of those buckets, I just took the cover letter that I had from them and made the template from there. So again, it's four templates and you need to know like, okay, I'm going to use the social media template for this particular job. But once the templates are made, that's the hard part. Then you can just go in, fill in the blanks and work from there. Right. And that's kind of what I was going to say too is like – Earlier on when I was applying to like internships, I was a political science and environmental studies major. So for like my first internship, I was kind of like playing the field, figuring out what my interest area was. And so I remember I applied to some that were like very strictly political, applied to some that were like very strictly environmental, and I had to have like very different cover letters. So I ended up doing kind of the same thing. Um, So I think it's more common than you would think. But yeah, I think that's a good tip. And just having templates for like everything in your job search process is so key. Like I'm yeah. even thinking like in my thank you emails, I kind of had a template. Like it just yeah, makes same. it such so much easier. Like it's already such an exhausting process. So yeah, just finding little shortcuts and ways to make it easier on yourself is really key. And this is something you can do literally like if like tell yourself, I'm going to start applying for jobs on X date and the week leading up to that date, just spend the time preparing all this stuff. And then it'll just be like, like clockwork almost as you just start applying for jobs and you won't even have to like really think about it right too much should we move on to references sure first of all have some references yes it's <laughs> and make so sure you key. ask them and make sure you ask them to be your references i think most people key. know that but um people it's much better if people are aware that they're listed on your documents and they're aware that you're in the job search especially so that they can expect a call and kind of have 
an idea of ways to speak on your behalf. Like I think if you yeah. – even if someone like consented to being a reference like two years ago and you want to apply for a job now, it's still good to like let them know that you're looking because you can kind of send them the ones that you're interviewing for. Like I remember mm-hmm. I did that. I like had – um I knew that I was in like the final round for this role. And so I sent the job description to everyone that was my reference. And I was like, if you could make sure to highlight me in like these few ways, if and when Mm -hmm. they call you, like that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It also works, I think, as almost like a good indicator of where you're at on the job application side. I know some of my references, you know, I would tell, I would send them a job description and be like, I'm applying for this job. So like, if you get a call, highlight this, this, and this. And like two weeks later, they'd be like, oh, have you heard back from them? I haven't gotten a call yet. So now I know, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe this is a little dead in the water. We haven't heard anything yet, blah, 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 blah. So it works well in that case. I also, I don't know if this is like the best practice, so to speak. This is just the advice that I've always been given is to make sure you have two to three. Don't hand a laundry list. Don't hand a phone book of references to anyone. They don't need that many references. It's not making you look impressive or personable. It's like, it's just too much. Um, But having two to three solid references is great because it shows that you have a fair amount of people that are willing to vouch for you. And also on like the more practical side, if the time comes for them to call your reference and the first one doesn't pick up, they have, you know, two other ones that they can fall back on and call. Um, Obviously it's out of your control whether or not your reference picks up the phone if a job is calling. Uh, So having that backup plan and sort of respecting the fact that these people want to talk to a reference of yours and allowing them, you know, the opportunity to talk to as many as they can, I think is really crucial. And I also think, especially if you're applying right out of undergrad, uh, try to get a mix of professional and like academic ones. I was going to say this too. Yeah. If you have like internships, like see if your manager, your supervisor can be a reference and also get a professor reference. And maybe you worked at like the library or something and you can get that reference as well. That's sort of like a fun professional academic happy medium. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like from our perspective on like the recruiting side, it's much more compelling to talk to someone that knows you in a work context. But if you sure. aren't there yet, like if you are just like a fresh grad and you don't necessarily have professional references yet, then I think listing a professor that you had like an especially good relationship with is totally fine. But I would yeah. say like maybe once you're one or two jobs in, you should probably have like a fully professional reference list unless you did like a PhD oh, yeah. and spent like your whole life with someone. Um, yeah. But Yeah. And um, there are also like templates for references too. Like there's kind of a standard way that you should list them. So you can look that those up um, for reference. Ha <laughs> 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 um, Next up, this is kind of the last thing that I would say to expect that you might need to have in hand when you go to apply for a job or even when you're interviewed, this might be something they ask you for after like a first round. I know that's what we do. Um, but it could be like a portfolio or like a writing sample or just some example of the work that you've done. Um, So I know like, for example, my boyfriend Grant, like I said, he's an engineer. So like they have to have a portfolio. Like that's like a huge part of their application is like a portfolio with some of the design work that they've done. Sure. Um, But for me, like I had to have writing samples for the jobs that I was applying for. And I'm sure probably you did too, Kylie. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's really handy to have like a couple at hand, would you say? Oh, yeah. I think definitely have a couple at hand. Have a couple different lengths. Um, some jobs, I think most jobs actually, if they're asking for a writing sample, will specify how long it should be. So you want to make sure you're prepared for any, everything. If your writing sample is 15 pages 
and they tell you, oh, give us a 10 page, you don't want to give them a 15 page. They're not going to read all 15 pages. They're asking for that specific page limit for a reason. Um, so have one short, one medium, one long. I would say short is like in the three to five range. Medium is in the five to 10 range. And then I would consider anything over 10 pages pretty long for a job application. When you really think about how many applications they have to sift through, they're probably not going to want to spend too much time on something over 10 pages. So Unless it's like a writing only position or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, have that and then use your coursework, especially if you're a recent grad, they're going to know that you don't really have any like professional writing samples, really, you're going to be relying on coursework. And I know some jobs too, especially if you're applying more in like the marketing communications operations field, they kind of want to see almost your soft skills on display. Mm -hmm. Like I know a lot of places that I was applying to and, you know, friends of mine who were in my major, they're the jobs they were applying to wanted to see like a philosophy paper, even though it really didn't have anything to do with the job. It does yeah. showcase how you think and how you take this really complex material and break it down and analyze it in an essay. That is a huge skill and something that you're going to do every day in your job. I think no matter what field you're really in. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say that too, is like, don't worry too much about the topic that the paper yeah. happened to be about like if you're using your coursework it doesn't really matter it more just matters like your style and like you said like your formatting and the way that you synthesize like it doesn't have to yeah. necessarily be relevant to the company if it is then like even better like I know for me when I was applying to some like environmentally sustainability focused startups like it was great that I could have like a sustainability paper but like that's not always the case so I don't think that yeah. matters so much yeah and then you can also steal a writing sample if you wrote something at an internship or if you are sort of applying for your second or third job and you've done some significant writing in your prior positions, I will say, and I don't know if I'm just traumatized by the law <laughs> school experience, um, but just make sure that if you're taking something from a current job that you have the ability and the permission to share any information that's included in that writing sample. I know mm. with a lot of like illegal writing pieces, a significant amount of stuff ends up having to be redacted, like names and things like that. Uh, so make sure you double check. Coursework should be pretty fair game. Yeah. I mean, if it was sensitive material, you wouldn't have been taught it in class probably. Um, but just make sure you kind of do your due diligence and check on everything with a uh, professional writing sample to make sure that you can share what's included. True. Um, and I feel like even if it's not necessarily a writing sample, if there's something that you're really proud of that you did, that could be good to bring. So like um, one time I had a candidate follow up with me with like a blog post that they wrote on like their personal blog. Like they're like, if you want to learn more about me as a person, like check it out here. Mm -hmm. Or um, when I was interviewing for like my second internship, I had done a GIS map, which if you're in like the in environmental space, it's like a basically like a cartography software that you have to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and that didn't have to do necessarily with the job that I was applying for, but it was like a map that I had spent like an entire semester on and I was really proud of. And so like, I just had it with me in case I had the opportunity to talk about it and I could pull it out or something like that. So yeah, yeah. I use the podcast in my, like so much, especially towards the latter half, I used it once and was kind of like, Oh, I hope this is okay. And it <laughs> went off so well that I just started using the podcast as a quote unquote writing sample, um, or a sample of work that I've done, especially for like big social media, more like digitally based jobs. So yeah, mm -hmm. you probably have something that you're very proud to share. Um, so don't be afraid to get creative with it. Yes. So now we're just going to quickly touch base on like ways to keep track of your jobs. I know some people just like don't keep track 
at all. But as you guys know, we're very type A people, so that that would be a very <laughs> stressful concept. So I'm going to try to dig up the spreadsheet that I used during my job process. I honestly don't even know like what Google account it was under, but I should be able to find it. And I'll make it just like a blank template version so you guys can kind of get an idea of like what types of things I tracked. But if I remember right, it basically just had like position, like day that I applied, like whatever stage I've been in the process. And then I think Mm -hmm. I also had a section that was like how likely I think I am to get it. So that way, like when Mm -hmm. I was just listing jobs I was interested in, I could kind of like triage what was going to be like highest priority to like spend time on. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's really crucial to keep track of where you're applying, if you've heard back, what step you're in. So that when offers, especially when offers start rolling in, you know where you're at with all your other job interviews. Um, and yeah. if there's one that you know is really high priority for you, but you're at like step one and you got an offer from one that you don't like as much and you're at step four, you can kind of like weigh those things and it's just easier to have like a visual. So I did yeah. it in Google Sheets. I know people do this in Notion. There's probably like existing Notion templates for this, I bet. Sure. But just having some sort of system, I feel like will ease your mind. Because like we said, it's already a very stressful process. You don't want to like be digging through your emails and trying to trying to remember what, you know, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like round you're at in different, you know, processes and whatnot. So. Yeah. And I definitely, I'll say that in sort of the, towards the end of the interview process for some places, like when I knew that I had made it to the final round, I did get asked a few times like, oh, are you interviewing other places or how far along are you at interviews for other places? So again, it's just another good system so you're not like oh I don't know like I've had a few interviews like you can kind mm-hmm. of give a pretty straightforward answer um, and sound like you know what you're doing and like you're a very organized person which again can only help you um, another important tip is to create a list of companies whether or not they have a job uh, listing that you would fit um, or that you would be qualified for and rank them in the next column from where you want to work most where you want to work least and I did this and I would like once a week just sort of regularly check their LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and their website to see if they had posted anything so that I could be on top of it odds are if you know it's a company that you really want to work for you're probably not the only person that wants to work for that company so you want to make sure that you are on top of it and if there does end up being a posting that you're qualified for you are sort of one of the first ones to get your resume in there um and then also I think it helps once you have, you know, a list of companies ranked, regardless of whether or not there's a job posting, you kind of look like, excuse me, you can kind of look at, okay, this is my number one company, but they don't have any job listings. What are comparable yeah, like companies? What do I patterns. like about this? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so then you can find places that do have listings and start applying there. Yeah. And I think this is a thing in the startup world a lot of the time. I wouldn't say I've seen it a lot of like corporate jobs, but a lot of startups will just have a section on their website that says like, sorry, no open rules right now, but like, do you see yourself working here? Like, tell us how you would, you know, apply yourself to work here. So I don't know if you've ever seen that, but you can just like cold submit your resume, um, even if there's not an opening. So yeah, I think it's a good practice. Number one, to like have a list and make sure you're checking in, but also just to like mentally place yourself and like see what you like about the companies that you like and everything. So you can kind of have like two tabs on this tracking spreadsheet. One can be like the actual tracking and one can be like dream companies or something like that. Yeah. And I think this is a good transition into where to search for a job because if you have a company that you're really interested in, a good way to reach them is to find some people on LinkedIn and slide into their DMs. (laughs) So I know Kylie used LinkedIn a lot for this job search, but it's also good for networking. And I feel like this is kind of the first step is like once you update your resume, the next step is to make sure your LinkedIn is updated. I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes I'll work with people and I'll go to connect with them on LinkedIn and they haven't updated it since like 
2012 or something like that. And it's just so yeah. crazy because I feel like it's such a good tool. Oh, yeah. And I got so many notifications that like someone at company I just applied to looked at your LinkedIn yeah. page. So I was always so relieved that like it was up to date and looking good because the places that I was applying to really were checking in on my LinkedIn. And again, it just kind of checks another box of like, okay, she's organized. She's, you know, is up to date, all that fun stuff. Um, but to speak a little bit more to the networking side of things. So I did like a lot of like prep reading before I really dove into the job search just to kind of mentally prepare myself for what I was about to go through, especially because I was doing it sort of on a delayed timeline of everyone that I was really close to had gone through it a year before I did. And so I wanted to make sure that I was preparing myself. And I learned that it can take anywhere from 100 to 200 applications to get a job offer. So for every 200 applications that you submit, you get one job offer that's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Like when you think about resumes and cover letters and all of that, it does take a lot of time. And I don't say that to scare you, but it does. The good news is, is that it only takes on average 12 informational interviews to get a job offer. I don't know about you, but I can go through 12 informational interviews way faster than I can go through 200 applications. Um, So I really like grabbed on to this statistic and used it as a motivator to continue to network. And being completely honest, all three of the offers that I ended up getting were because of networking and an informational interview and knowing the right people. Like all three offers came because I had talked to someone about this place before I submitted my application or adjacent to me submitting my application. Um, And so sometimes as much as it can suck, I don't necessarily love that this is the system, but I do think it's about what you know and who you know Mm -hmm. sometimes, or at the very least, it can be a lot easier of a process when you know the right people and you know the right things and you have the right skills. So don't be afraid to send cold messages on LinkedIn. Don't be afraid to send emails to people doing the job that interests you or who are working at a company that interests you. Um, I know Anya helped me out tremendously by connecting me with one of her um, mentor figures, and she ended up then helping connect me to, or she ended up then help helping me. How do I say that? Why, what did she? What do you mean? She ended up helping me connect. Does that make with, sense? Yeah, she ended connect up helping with, me connect yeah. with. Yeah. Okay, that just didn't sound <laughs> right to me when I said it. Um, she ended up helping me connect with just people that she had already known in her life or that she was connected with that were doing jobs that really interest me. And with those, like uh, truthfully, this is a good example. With all four of those, a job offer didn't come out of those four connections, but what did come out of them is four new mentors and four new perspectives on the place that I was at in life. And so that was really cool. And they I learned so much about what I want to do and how to proceed now that I even have a job offer. Because I don't think, this is probably something for another episode, but once you get a job offer, that's not like the end of the job search because you're probably, what, 22, 23 years old? Like you're going to have jobs. So you still want to make sure that once you have a job secured that you're still fostering connections and networking. um, So you continue to grow and evolve as a professional. So yeah, it's so important. It's such a pain in the butt. It's so uncomfortable. I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just, you'll thank yourself so much and you'll meet really cool people. Um, No one ever, I think, regrets networking in the end. They just (laughs) 
don't want to start it because it, especially on Zoom and in sort of COVID times, it's awkward. Yeah. But you got to do it. Got to do it. Yeah. Something that one of my managers offered to me that I now offer to the interns that I manage is to look at, she told me to look at her LinkedIn connections and pick out mm-hmm. like five people that I thought were especially interesting and she would introduce me to them. Um, and so I think, you know, even if that's not something your manager has ever brought up, like you can bring it up to them. Like, hey, if I, you know, look at your LinkedIn connections and I find five people that I really like and I want to talk to, like you can bring that up to a manager or like a mentor or just someone you admire yeah. and it can really help with the job search because just having like a warm introduction helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and I did just really quickly want to bring up to, I did the free trial of LinkedIn premium for like the bulk of my job application process. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't think it's really worth it. I mean, if you want to try the free trial and see if you like it, it's a free trial. So why not? But I think it's like 30 bucks a month for LinkedIn premium. And I found that like, it wasn't as personalized as I hoped to. I was getting a lot of like top pick job for you and it would be like a director position yeah like in the job description would say like seven to ten years experience and i'm like linkedin like i think your bot can do basic math and see that i don't have seven (laughs) to ten years of experience and also the ones that had always said the ones that actually did match my qualifications and still said that i was a top applicant those were all the ones that i immediately got rejected from i don't know if i can blame linkedin for that or if it's just a coincidence but I just found that like it wasn't super helpful. Um, yeah. So if you're like, oh, is this steep. worth investing in? Don't don't bother. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, and then another thing that I know people run into on LinkedIn that I'll just quickly bring up is like going through recruiters. Like I know mm-hmm. when I was in my job search process, I got messages from recruiters, and I just was always kind of like sketched out by it, so I never really went through with it. But I know that Grant actually did get his current job through a recruiter and it was weird because he kind of acted like a middleman. Like I don't, I still don't super understand like what recruiters do, but I guess they're, what are they just hired by the company? And I don't know. Um, So yeah. So he basically like, instead of talking to the person that he just interviewed with, it would be like the recruiter would call him and be like, Hey, John really liked you. Like it it was just like a weird in between. So I think they can, I've heard like sketchy stories. So I would just say like proceed with caution going through like a recruiter, especially like don't ever like let someone, charge you money or anything like that like I don't think that's yeah. normal but you might get recruiters in your dms so just be aware of it <laughs> yeah do a little bit of research on where they're coming from what like staffing agency they're working yeah. with um yeah I think that's good advice and then just really quick I'm gonna run through a couple other like job search platforms other than LinkedIn I mean I think LinkedIn's a pretty big one um yeah. but something that I didn't know until I was working at this job is companies actually have to pay to post on LinkedIn um, like oh, at wow. all. Yeah. So if you're looking to work in like the nonprofit sphere, it's not the best place to look because they don't have money sure. flying around to like put towards those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so Indeed is another really good one. Monster, they're pretty comparable. They're like the biggest, like top two biggest one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Angel List is really good for startups specifically. That's where startups tend to post their jobs. Glassdoor is really good to check employee reviews. Um, I think that's a good thing to do if you're like a little bit, I wouldn't do it for like every single company you apply for necessarily, but if you're like one or two steps into the process, it's good to double check and make sure that like people don't hate their lives there at least. Yes. Um, And then I came across, I never heard of this one before, but in my research, I came across Shouted, which apparently is like designed for recent college grads. So it's a lot of entry level stuff. So you could take a look at that. And then- 
the last thing I'll touch on really quick, and this is where I had the most luck, is industry-specific job boards. So if you just look up, like, for example, I was looking in, like, sustainability. So you can look up, like, sustainability startup job board. And there will be, like, tons of different resources that are just, like, websites or, like, blogs that compile places that are hiring for this kind of thing. Um, and so, like, I'm thinking about, like, in Massachusetts, if you want to work in sustainability space, like, the Massachusetts Clean Energy Center has a jobs board, and they have one for internships, and they have one for full-time roles. So, like, you can find things like that in your industry. Like, I'm sure there's ones that are, like, Rhode Island Marketing Association jobs board, like, things like that, which are a little more, like, off the beaten path, like, not so highly trafficked are really good places to find jobs. And that's actually I found the job that I have. So, Big industry job board person. There's definitely one for whatever you're looking into. You just have to do a little more digging to find them, but they're really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then sort of our last – well, is this our last for preparing? Yes. Our last point with preparing is some mindset tips. So like we said at the start – Applying for jobs is stressful. You're totally valid for feeling stressed. I mean, heck, you guys listened to me talk for a month about how I thought I was going to like be jobless and homeless on the street, and I ended up with three job offers. So like, it's I have no room to judge if you're stressed. <laughs> but I think so. something from a Muse article that Anya pointed out is the idea to tie deadlines to efforts rather than results. Um, and then a quote from this article, I'll have a new job before the end of the month or no. Sorry, I'm, yeah. So because I'm reading kind of, your words, so I got missed. <laughs> no worries. It's kind of saying like instead of framing something as I'll have a new job by the end of the month, uh, frame it okay. to I'll send out ten applications by the end of the month. That kind of thing. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'll restart <laughs> or I'll reframe from here. Um, but yeah. So at the end of the day, obviously you're the one sending the resume, sending the cover letter, all that stuff you can control. But once you hit that submit button, it really is out of your control other than maybe networking. But the job world, you know, once a company has posted a job, they're probably moving pretty fast. Not necessarily, but they probably are. And so once you've submitted an application, you probably won't have the time to network um, in order to like significantly increase your chances of getting past that first wave of resume checks. Um, so I think it can be really tough to link your goal to someone else's behavior that isn't in your control because you can't guarantee that you'll get a new job by the end of the month for factors that are completely out of what you're able to do in that moment. Um, so when you tie a deadline to something that's not within your power, you set yourself up to feel defeated if it falls through. By connecting your deadline to your personal efforts instead, you give yourself the opportunity to feel successful just by meeting that deadline, meeting that goal. And that confidence boost can mean a lot during a tough search. So I would always tell myself I want to apply to, I think it was 10 jobs a week in the thick of it. I was like, I'm going to apply to 10 jobs a week. And I really gave myself a pat on the back when I would apply to those 10 jobs a week. Um, and it does just keep your morale going and help, lets you know, like, I'm doing everything in my power to make this happen. And so as long as I'm doing what I can control, it's going to work out for me. I can't get too hung up on what someone else is going to do. So ask yourself, what measurable action can I take that'll move me closer to landing a position at my dream company? Whatever your answer is, stepping up your networking, reaching out to a career coach, tie it to that reasonable deadline. This way your goals will bring you results and bring you peace of mind. Because again, you know that you're doing everything that you can to get a job. Yeah, I think this is a good just like life tip is to tie your goals to your own efforts rather than like results that are out of your control. Yeah. Um, 
another thing that's kind of like a mindset tip is just to know your personal story, know your vision, kind of have, you know, a sense of how you want to tell that story when you go into these interviews, but know that it's never personal. So have your personal story, but know that it's not personal. And I feel like this is something that I said to Kylie all the time, like during the job hunt process, but it sucks. It's truly just such a business decision in the end. You know, maybe you were a great candidate, but they knew that they could get someone cheaper for you cheaper than you and like their budget is important to them this year. Like there are so many reasons why, you know, you might not move forward in the job search process. So I think, and it can be really, you know, discouraging. So I think just keep telling yourself, like, you can't take it personally. You can't take it personally because it just is like business. Like you're literally applying to work at a business. They're making business decisions. It's not anything about you or your personality or anything, you know, that is wrong with you. It's what's right for them. And that sucks, but it's just how it is. Oh yeah. And then I think it's important to know that your thoughts create your reality. So err on the side of positivity, even when it's hard. I mean, I say this kind of laughing because I don't (laughs) think I was good at this at all. Um, And I truthfully think I made the process way more miserable for myself than I needed to. Like, I ended up in like the ideal situation, like the place that everyone wants to be in when they're going through this process. So why did I spend a month, a month and a half? like making myself miserable thinking that it wasn't going to work out. Like it was all for nothing because guess what? It worked out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as hard as it can be, like it's totally fine to like have a vent session or just have a night where you're like, oh, like things aren't working out and I'm a little upset. But really try to like limit those and, you know, remind yourself of the positives or at the very least like, I don't know, give yourself the 24-hour rule. Like if, if a job offer or an interview like really falls through, give yourself 24 hours to like be bummed out and be like, woe is me. Like the world's falling apart. I'm never going to get an offer. And then at the end of those 24 hours, just pick yourself back up and keep chugging along and keep like keeping positive and knowing that it's going to work out in the end, even if that one opportunity fell through. Because it, believe me, it doesn't need to be a miserable process if you don't want it to be one. Yeah, definitely. Another thing is just apply for the jobs that you feel underqualified for. We talked about this recently, so I won't, I won't, you know, talk about it too much, but Mm -hmm. women are so much less likely to apply for jobs and it's not because they don't think that they could do a good job. It's because they don't think, they think they're underqualified. They don't fit every single thing on the job description, but I'm telling you apply anyway, especially if you have your cover letter template, it's not going to take you all that long and it's so worth it. Like it's, it's never going to work against you to just try so yeah, and again, anyway. I'll use myself an. Ex- I got a job offer for a job that I was on paper underqualified for. Like if I had not had the experience that I had, I probably wouldn't have applied for this job because I would have said oh, I'm underqualified, and I got offered the job. So yeah, you never know what's gonna happen. Um, and then the last sort of tip that we have for your mindset is to recognize your value and know that you are innately valuable as a human with or without a job. Your value as a person is not tied to your job, to your career. Um, so just keep that in mind. Just because you may not be landing jobs as fast as you want to, that doesn't mean that you are underqualified for the positions you're looking at. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't be a good worker. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't be a good candidate or a good employee for that company shit just happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Things that you can't control. You just never know what the thought process is behind that company. So really remind yourself that, you know, you are qualified for the things that you want and your value isn't tied to the job that you land or the interview that you nail or, you know, what you do between nine to five on every weekday. Yes. You bring just value to the earth by being here. Heck yeah. 
I will say that what you said just reminded me um, how like you don't know their thought process. Some people do ask for feedback if they know that they got pretty far along in an interview process but don't get the job. So that's an option yeah. if you want to improve for like future um, interviews. But I would anyway. say as like a word of caution, I would only really do that for ones that you got pretty far along. Yeah. With. I wouldn't like if you if your resume gets denied like within the first wave, don't be like, <laughs> what's wrong? I could have done. You're probably not going to get like a reply or anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's a good tip for the ones that you make it really far, but don't end up getting the offer. And speaking of interviews, we're going to move into some interview tips. And I think we got to speed up a little bit because this is already a super long episode, but I think we can just call this like the ultimate job search survival guide or something yeah. like that. Um, but a quick tip for interviews. I think this is kind of obvious, but try to find out who you'll be talking to. Do a little LinkedIn stalking. See if you have any common interest areas. If nothing else, look at the notification that you looked at their profile and they'll think about mm-hmm. how prepared you are. Um, and also prepare for the common like interview questions. Like I feel like there's like a set of like 20 that are very typical, like your yeah. biggest strength, your biggest weakness, like yep. a time you made a mistake, all of those kinds of things. And um, you can kind of look at lists that are online and think about which questions you're most likely to encounter given your age, your status, like maybe you're about to graduate, maybe you're looking for a summer internship, like those are going to kind of yield different types of questions. And then prepare your answers ahead of time so that you won't have to fumble for them during the actual interview. Yes. Um, And something that I always did was I like hand wrote kind of the the points that I wanted to touch on right before because it just helps you remember and um, my last kind of tip on the questions part of things is to make the most of the tell me about yourself question because I feel like sometimes people will give their like entire life story and what's really more valuable is like saying, I consider myself a hard worker. I yeah. did these three internships and here's what I took away from them. Like you can kind of curate your tell me about yourself to the specific job as opposed to being like, I was born in X county. Like <laughs> I feel like people yeah. sometimes take it really far back when in reality it's like more impressive to give a very targeted response that shows that like you understand the job and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like when they say, tell me about yourself, they really mean tell me about your resume and how that yeah. like makes you a good candidate. Um, not, you know, what you did on the weekends as a child. <laughs> um, the next tip, and this even goes for Zoom interviewing, is to overdress, but do your research on the industry in dress code and show up early. So like Anya, for example, works in a, she's worked in places that have a casual dress code. So do you necessarily have to show up in like a three-piece suit for a job like that? Probably not, but you definitely don't want to show up casual. You want to be, you know, the most overdressed in the room yeah. for your interview. Yeah. Uh-huh. You definitely want to be like a step up or two of what yeah. the dress code is. And I will say though, yeah. what's kind of scary is like, I didn't know this until I worked with startups, but low key, if you're overdressed, it can be a red flag. <laughs> so I bet. You just like show that you don't really understand the culture or like what you're getting into. So yeah, I would just say do your research, go with your intuition. And like, I've worn just like black flare pants and like a blouse to a, like a yeah. final interview and it's fine. So Just do your research, but like, you know, if you have to wear like a three-piece suit. (laughs) Yeah. And then definitely show up early. Your time is valuable. The people who are interviewing you's time is valuable. Remember they're, you know, working a full day. You, your interview is just one part of their day and the things that they have to get done. So you definitely want to be, don't want to be showing up late um, and wasting any of their time. It's just not a good look. Uh, So I think the like best practice is to show up 15 minutes Mm -hmm. before the interview is about to start. Yeah, we did one time have someone show up like 30 minutes before and that was a little awkward because you kind of have to like 
You can't let someone sit in the lobby for like 30, yeah, like 30 minutes. So I wouldn't say don't be like super early, but 15 minutes is a good benchmark. And um, if you get there earlier than 15 minutes, which was almost always the case for me, like go kill time at like a coffee shop or something. Um, Yeah. Easier on Zoom, obviously, to show up like right on time. But um, and also just save time, like in case logistics fail you, like especially Mm -hmm. if you're taking like public transportation or something, just like leave way earlier than you think you need to. Yeah. You never know. And then if it is in person, it's a best practice to always have printed copies of your resume, cover letter, references, writing samples, and try to have a printed copy for like every person you're talking to. So if you know you're going to speak to three different people, like have three copies of everything, just a good look. Yeah, for sure. And then make sure you interview the interviewer. So ask questions, get a feel for the culture, because the fit of a job goes both ways. The company wants you to be a good fit for them, and you want to be a good fit for the company. Um, And I think it also, I was always told, like, have questions prepared no matter what. Even if you don't want the job, even if you get offered the job and you know you're going to say no, ask questions. It shows that you're interested. It shows that you took time to prepare. And it really does help you weed out what jobs you're truly interested in. And that honestly helps if you get rejected from a job and you're like, well, I didn't really like their answer to my culture question. So it's probably for the best that I didn't get this job because I don't think it would have been a good fit. It really just helps you understand the process a bit more. Right. Um, And then the next tip is to never talk badly about a previous experience or employer. Um, You can speak to these situations while still being diplomatic. So just, I think, be very mindful of the language you're using. If you are talking about a conflict at work, don't be like, yeah, well, my manager had no idea what she was doing, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You can phrase it in a way that's like communication on my team wasn't the best. And it was something that we were constantly working on. And in this case, the communication wasn't as clear as it probably should have been, but we did X, Y, Z to solve the problem. Yeah. You're basically saying the same thing of like, my team didn't really know what they were doing and did not communicate it, communicate it, but you're showing it with a much better attitude um, and in just like way more considerate language. Because again, you they're interviewing you to work at this company. If they think that you're going to be talking like that about them, mm-hmm. you know, behind like, closed yeah. doors, like they're not going to, you know, it's like when you have a friend that's constantly that's gossiping. Say. Yeah. Like, you know, they're talking about you behind your back. So yeah, it kind yeah. of works the same way. That's so true. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, your interviewer is human. So like, if you have a tough yeah. thing on your resume to speak to, then like you can do that, but just make sure you're prepared to speak to it in a way that's like a little more diplomatic. Like I know for Kylie, you probably had like a little bit of a script prepared when you got asked about like leaving law school and you weren't going to be yeah. like, I just freaking hated hated my life yeah like you're gonna say I figured out it wasn't the right fit for me right now like that kind of thing you know what I mean exactly exactly um yeah but that was a good example that you gave um and then the last thing is I would just say always 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 write a thank you email I thought this was like common practice and then um I came across an article on LinkedIn that said that some people think writing a thank you can come across as like desperate but I'm like if you're like interviewing for a job aren't you kind of desperate like just do it (laughs) Well, um, I just think it's respectful. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I'll might maybe I can find the article, but because we had someone that didn't write a thank you email, and we were kind of like, "Ooh, red flag!" And then yeah. I found that article, and I was like, "Wait, maybe this is like more normal than I thought." But I just was always told that it's like super, super important, same. and it takes like very little of your time. So yeah, I would just say like the same day, like when you get home, you know, from whatever you were doing, just like take fifteen minutes, write a thank you email. Like I said, you can kind of have a template for it. I basically did. Like I would just say like. It was really great to learn more about XYZ Company. I really enjoyed when we talked about this. Like, I look forward to hearing more from you, you know, whatever. 
But um, it's also good to write separate thank you emails if you talk to separate people. I remember yeah. my mom asked me that like because she was recently in the job search process after like 15 years and she was like, what do I do? And I was like, no, you have to email everyone separate and like mention something that you talk to like specifically them about, not just like in general. So yeah. And to touch really quickly on like the desperate thing, keep it short and sweet. There's no need to go into like a monologue about <laughs> yeah. how much you want that job. That will probably come <laughs> off desperate. Like true. your example was great. Just, you know, say it was great to interview here. I love talking about this. Let me know if you need anything else from me. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Say you, don't have to that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like a, a son. What is that called? Like a, a, son, a sonnet? Is that a thing? A sonnet. A poem. <laughs> yeah. Like an epic. A haiku. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't need to Five be syllables. Shakespeare here. I yeah, want I am a contaminator. Please. <laughs> um, so quickly moving into negotiating your salary. I feel like we probably could do like a whole episode more so tied to this, but like you said, this has been a long episode, so we're just going to touch on it briefly. But once you do land an offer, congratulations, you're going to have a salary. And guess what? A job offer is just that, an offer. And what can you do with an offer? You can counter offer. So I think it's best practice to negotiate your salary. I think most places are probably going to expect you to negotiate your salary, but do some research and benchmark against what you can find for the role and in industry to number one, see if negotiating your salary is a good idea. I imagine that like in, and I guess you could speak to this on more like nonprofit spaces. You definitely want to be considerate of the fact that like they don't just have money coming out the wazoo to give you mm-hmm. a $10,000 salary increase. Um, so do some research and figure out sort of what the standard average salary is for that position and for someone of your experience working in that position to ensure that you're giving an informed counter offer and that it's reasonable and one that you can expect them to sort of work with and not just, you know, sort of put a bad taste in their mouth, so to speak. Yeah. And um, to Kylie's point, like if you work somewhere where you know that they could have some constraints as far as like budget or things like that, you can look at other aspects of the offer. So consider the whole deal and negotiate your entire offer, not just your salary. So if they, you know, have constraints on the budget side of things and they won't budge, you can look at things like PTO to up your offer or, um, you know, like stock options, if that's a thing where you're interviewing. So yeah, I would say don't fixate so much on the salary because there's a lot of other things that you can like valuably, value, valuably? valuably is that a word i think yeah why why does it sound so weird there's a lot of things that you could change um or negotiate uh that aren't just your salary so yeah and then our next tip is to get everything in writing again best practice oh my god best practice this is this is a job offer this is some pretty legitimate professional stuff you're going through and the worst thing that could happen is you negotiate something and they say yeah we'll pay you x amount of money and then they send you an offer that is for less than that and this is like a nightmare scenario i'm not saying this is a common practice among companies but you know what i mean it's easy to deny things that were promised in person get it in writing so that all your ducks are in a row and you have the paperwork to back up um what's going on with your offer Yes, definitely important. And then we kind of talked about this already, but just consider their constraints, kind of know your industry, know what's normal. You might leave – I mean, I think it's, to Kylie's point, like always a good idea to negotiate because you just never know how much more you could get and women often don't negotiate. But do Mm -hmm. it like to a thoughtful extent. Like 
if you're interviewing at a nonprofit and they offered you $30,000 a year, don't ask for like 80,000. Like that's just, it's yeah. not, it's going to show them that like, you don't really understand <laughs> like yeah. the full scope of the role and what they're working with. So um, yeah, just do research, benchmark, and you'll be good to go and do yeah. it on the phone. I know that's a hard thing, but yeah. um, I did not do this full disclosure. And I think it really increases your chances if you talk to someone uh, as opposed to emailing about it. So yeah, completely agree. But that is everything that we have for this episode. We know it was a long one, but hopefully it was super useful and it's kind of your one-stop shop to just understanding the job search and giving you some tips and tricks to make it as easy and stress-free of a process as it possibly can be. Um, Anya and I both survived it. We're doing fine. We're thriving. So you can do it too. You will get a position at a place that's the right fit for you. And if you don't, you're pro- it's probably your first job or your second job anyways, and you're going to have a lot of jobs in your life. So it doesn't need to be the perfect fit now. It just needs to be a good enough fit. Um, and you can always move as you grow and evolve or as your priorities change. So it's a big decision. It's a big deal in your life, but it's not the biggest deal of them all. It's a completely reversible experience. Um, yeah, you will a get a point. job. You will get many other jobs in your life and it's all going to be fun. Yes. And we will have a lot of the things that we talked about linked down below, some of the articles and hopefully my job tracker I'll be able to dig up and we can link that down below. It's like a Google template. But with that, ways to keep up with us, you can follow us on Instagram at two degrees hotter. You can submit comments to our anonymous suggestion box mm-hmm. and you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying the show, if you found it valuable, if you took away a valuable tip from this episode, we would absolutely love if you could do that for us. And with that, we will chat with you guys next Tuesday. Yes. Bye, guys.